Well, it has been a joy to be here. Uh, Thank you for letting me fill in this morning. Uh, I wanna take you on a little bit of a journey that the students have been on because you have the privilege of dropping in like the very last session. And so I think we need to get caught up a little bit. Uh, I I wanna say first though, a couple of things. Um, You as a church are so blessed Uh, I've had the opportunity to worship alongside this team for the last couple of days, and they are incredible people, uh, incredible leaders who don't just lead worship, but worship alongside of you, and that is a gift. Uh, The students here have been hungry for God's word, have been hungry to worship. Um, It has, I get to see a lot of student ministries and your student ministry team and the teenagers at this church are special, special people. And I want you to know that. Uh, They've also taught me a lot about, yep, go ahead. They've also taught me a lot about Iowa. Um, My my extent of knowledge coming into this place was my brother lived in Fort Madison for a while, which, Students said is close, but not close to here. Geography, not, not, a, great, uh, not a great part. Special people, low on geography. Um, I've also, they've, they've taught me that uh, pigs outnumber people three to one here. Um, they have taught me about Whitey's ice cream. Yeah. You... <laughs> You people really like that here. They, <laughs> you're, they cheered every time. If you ever want to brighten up, all you have to do is say that. I learned about uh, the Iowa 80 truck stop. Um, and uh, had I known earlier, I would have come in to town earlier that the, the Field of Dreams field is close-ish here. As a baseball person, uh, I would have liked to see that. So maybe I'll come back next time and hit the truck stop, buy some truck chrome, and then go to the field. Um, We will see. We will see. Um, So our theme passage this weekend has been Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Um, I want us to begin there, and we're going to stay in Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4 for our time this morning. But before we get to that, I want to catch you up on where we've been. Okay, so we've been looking through the lens of Ephesians chapter four, verses 15 and 16 throughout the entire weekend, all right? We began on Friday night by saying in order for four, 15 and 16 to happen, we must first understand some things that lead up to that. So I'm gonna invite you to see through that lens the same way I invited them to on Friday night. So Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The basic premise of this passage is that we are the body of Christ. 
He is the head. In following his leadership, we grow together, that we are meant to be connected together as believers, that the Christian life is not to be a solo endeavor, but that we are to be unified. We are to be together. And as we grow in Christ, and as we grow together, that actually helps us mature in Christ. So the maturity that we have as believers is actually connected to each other. We mature more together than when we would alone. Your pastor said it a moment ago, we are better together. And that's the truth of scripture. We grow together. We also understand more about God's love when we are together. And every joint, every ligament, us, we are the body parts of the body of Christ. And when we're together and when we're growing in maturity and when we're growing in love, then we are able to work in concert together to accomplish the mission of God. It takes all of us being joined together. Now that's the lens that we began on Friday night. And I would, we're gonna end there this morning. So this is the last passage we're gonna look at as well as the first one. But we said Friday night, in order for that to happen, in order for us to truly be united, in order for us to be together and experience living this way, then some things have to happen. We have to be aware of some things. And so we started looking Friday night as what has to happen in us. And we took a look at the kingdom of God. And we went to God's word and we went to how the kingdom of God is like a treasure. And a man is walking in a field and he finds this treasure and he is so blown away by how amazing this treasure is that he goes and sells everything that he has and he buys that field so that he would own the treasure. And the kingdom of heaven is that treasure, the kingdom of God. And so we looked at how in order for us to be unified together, we have to see the kingdom of God as the most supreme thing in our lives. Where we, as the kingdom of God, are walking representatives of God's rule and reign on this earth. That's us. Where we attempt and strive and move towards living a life where God rules and reigns in our hearts. And that that has to be securely in place for us to be able to begin to live in unity together, accomplishing God's mission. And then on Saturday morning, we move to how we need to interact with each other. We talked a lot about forgiveness. We talked a lot about loving each other. We jumped in and dove deeply into what it means to bear with one another. Now, it's been a little while for me and it's been a little while for you since you have been in elementary school and played a playground game, yes? It's fair. How many of you remember the game Red Rover? It's not played a lot anymore because it causes concussion and injury. Uh, and just so you know, like we, I, I did not, we talked about it. I did not encourage them to play because of said concussion. But uh, it is a great illustration of how we as believers are to bear with one another. If you've never played the game and you don't know what I'm talking about, two lines of people line up on a field across from each other. They link arms. They call out the person that they believe they'll be able to hurt physically. <laughs> it's, this is a thing that is kind of demeaning to so it's not just that 
it's concussion causing. It's also that you call out people you think you're going to destroy and it's, it's not. Anyway, so you call out a person and when that person is called out, they run across the field and try to destroy the line on the other side. Sometimes they're clotheslined and that's where the concussion comes in. Sometimes they break through and, and it's, it's a really wonderful experience. But when we bear with one another, we link arms together and we are able to absorb the attacks of the enemy we're able to absorb the struggles and the messiness of life. We're able to help absorb the attacks for temptation. And this is a picture that we talked about of what it means to really bear with one another in love. That when a mess comes and an attack comes and a struggle comes, we don't shy away from the person that's walking through that. Instead, we lean in and we get closer to them and we bring the truth of the gospel and God's word into their lives. And we talked about how love is the glue that holds us together and how when we grow closer to Jesus, that we understand his love more and we are able to extend that love to other people. And we talked about how the truest sign of grace in our lives is that we extend grace to other people. And in order for us to be united, as Ephesians chapter four explains, then we need to share love and grace and forgiveness as we bear with one another. So we talked a lot about relationships. And then last night we talked about being united with Christ and that when we are united with Christ, we move more and more closely towards what it means to be united with each other. And we looked at that through the lens of how Jesus teaches about himself as a shepherd. And we talked a lot about how the sheep hear the voice of Jesus. And when they hear the voice of Jesus, they follow after him. And the picture is that there is a sheep pen and there's a lot of different sheep from a lot of different shepherds in this pen. And Jesus calls out to his sheep and his sheep hear his voice and he takes them out into pasture. And so we talked about how there are a lot of different competing voices in our world today. And there are a lot of voices competing for the ears of the teenagers in this world. And by the way, yours too. So we ask the question, what shepherds are we listening to in our lives? What are the voices that are trying to get our attention and lead us somewhere? But the Bible says that when, they, when the sheep hear the voice of a different shepherd, they run away because that's not the voice that they recognized. And so we talk about the only way for us to truly recognize the voice of Jesus is to hear the voice of Jesus over and over and over. And I would share the same thing with you that I shared with them is there is no shortcut for any of us who believe in Jesus to get used to hearing the voice of Jesus. There's no shortcut. It is God's word. It is time. It is proximity. It is conversation. It is what we do here together. It is what you do here anytime you gather with a group of believers and opens God's word. It is what you do at your house, at your table, at your bed, wherever you spend time with God's word alone. For us to hear the voice of our shepherd, we have to know what his voice sounds like. And so that's where we ended last night. And here we are today. Back at Ephesians chapter four, verses 15 and 16, which is a wonderful 
depiction of what it means for us to live together and be united together. But sometimes what we do as Christians is we grab this idea of unity and we want to go straight to it. We think, oh, that's beautiful. All of us are the body parts of, of, of the church. We are together in this. Jesus is the head. Let's go out here and live in unity. And then something happens and the unity crumbles or an argument happens and the, the unity crumbles or a business deal goes a little sideways and the unity crumbles between believers or there's strife in a relationship and the unity crumbles. And we try to jump straight to the unity, but we have to realize that verses 15 and 16 happen kind of in the middle of this full thought that's being drawn out through Ephesians. And so for us to get to verses 15 and 16 of chapter 4, we have to back up. And so we have to back up to Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So here's what has to happen in our lives, okay? So we're gonna transition now from that's what they learned to here's where we are together. For all of us to experience what we are meant to experience in chapter four, verses 15 and 16, unity in the body, working together to accomplish the mission of God, growing in maturity in Christ. In order for us to get there, we first have to do Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, where Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've received. So there is this individual component that we have to realize and that we have to step into in order for the group component to work. In order for all of us to be growing in maturity together, we indiv as individuals have to also be growing in maturity in Christ. The way it's phrased here is that we have to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. Now, the calling that we've received is a giant one. The calling that we've received to be a part of God's family where we were once dead in our trespasses and made alive together in Christ. We were far from God, and God said, I want them to be close to me. And the solution for that is I'm sending my son to live the perfect life that that group of people who are far from me cannot live. We, could, we can't live a perfect life. And God sent Jesus to live the perfect life for us, to die and take our place to be the perfect sacrifice, conquering sin, death, rising from the grave, and allowing us to have eternity in heaven. And God says, hey, through faith, you can have relationship with me. You who were once far away and lined up on the opposite end of the battlefield from me, you who cannot take steps towards me, God closed the gap with his love and with his son and said, I'm calling you to be mine. The picture of the shepherd, again, calling the sheep. Come follow me and the sheep follow. That's the calling that we've received, to be a child of God, to be adopted into his family. Now, we're to walk worthy of that. 
And walking worthy of that helps unite us together so that we grow in maturity together and so that we can accomplish the mission of God together. So there is this individual component, but once again, if we just read that, then I think we could possibly have a misunderstanding of what this passage is saying to us. Because if we just read Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3, then what we walk away with could be, man, I need to walk in a manner worthy of the call. God did so much for me, I need to live in such a way that I'm going to pay him back for all that he did for me. But that's a wrong way to walk. Our lives as Christians are not meant to be payment to pay God back for the great sacrifice that he made. There's no amount of payback that could equal the magnitude of God stepping towards us and finding us when we were far from him. And so that walking in a manner worthy of the calling that we received is not a self-willed, self-propelled action. We cannot will ourselves to live in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received. So how do we do it? Well, we've got to back up even more. And we've got to go to Ephesians chapter three, and we've got to begin in verse 14. Now, just so you know, we're not gonna back up anymore here because literally, like we could continue backing up in this manner for the rest of this book and even all the way back to the beginning if we wanted to follow this line all the, all the way. So this is the, the furthest point back we're gonna go this morning for the sake of time and for the sake of our theme and understanding where we are. But Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 21 says this, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Watch this. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, read us in that, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So I wanna pause right there and just, this extends to us. And the prayer that's being prayed here is that according to the riches of his glory, the riches of the glory of God, that we may be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. So the argument and the prayer that's being developed here is that there is a power within us that is not our own power that is not our own strength, but it comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit in us, producing a power according to the riches of his glory. Not from us, from him. Verse 17, here's the purpose. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There is so much happening in this passage, but we are strengthened in our inner being with the spirit 
so that Christ may dwell and that ultimately we would be rooted and grounded in love. So this strength for us has a specific purpose that our root and our grounding in this life would be in love. But not just any love, verse 18, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. So the prayer for spiritual power here is that we would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to be grounded in the love of Christ and that we would develop this never-ending growth and understanding of the depth and length and height and width of God's love and that that love surpasses knowledge that we will never get to the end of our understanding of the love that Christ... Listen, this is an incredible thing to think about. To me, one of the greatest things about heaven is that we will be in his presence and still continue to grow in an understanding of his love for us. That one of the most incredible things about heaven, yes, is being in his presence and and yes, the things that we see in scripture. But can you imagine for all of eternity continuing to grow in how much he loves you? That's, That's the process that we're on and we get to experience that not just in heaven, but now too. And that this rooting and grounding and understanding of the love of Christ also, don't miss verse 18, happens with all the saints. It happens alongside each other. So this prayer is for us as individual believers, but it's also for us collectively that as we grow in the spirit, as the power of the spirit works in us, that we are rooted in love individually, that we will begin to experience and understand the love of Christ fully, more fully as a group of people. And it's with that that verse 20 happens. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. The power that is at work within us is the power that's being referred to in verse 16. The spirit in us, rooting us and grounding us in the love of Christ. Okay, that's the same power, according to his riches that were strengthened there. So when we see according to the power in verse 20, it's referring to verse 16. That power working within us is when we're able to see God doing more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. It's his power working within us. It's not us causing more than we ever could ask or think. It's God working within us that allows us to see him doing more than we could ever ask or think. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And it is on the heels of that prayer that we then go into, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you receive. And so we've gone backwards and now we're gonna go back forwards to see it all line up together. In order for all of these things to happen, we have to know 
that the power to accomplish this does not come from our ability to will it up within ourselves. God is able to do more than we could ever ask or think in and around our lives because it is his power that works within us. Did you know that I can't continually will myself to say no to sin in my life? If I'm struggling with some sin, I can wake up and I can say, I'm just not doing that today. I'm not. And I might be able to do that for a day. Knowing me, probably not. But we might. We might be able to do it for a day. But it's going to get us. Did you know that getting up in the morning, living worthy of the calling that I have on my life as a believer, that there is a finite amount of time that I can will and discipline myself to do that. Leo Tolstoy, a uh, Russian philosopher, um, War and Peace is a work that he wrote. He was known by many for having constructed an intense list of rules for himself in order to keep himself from certain things. He lived his life according to a religious set of rules. He once vowed publicly to be celibate, even though he was married, and on and on and on and on in order to try to will himself to live a good life. But his wife's 16 pregnancies were a, con a constant example of him not being able to follow the, his own set of rules that he made for himself. It must have been a really short walk down the hallway from where they stayed. But here's the thing. That is an example of what we see throughout scripture. God instituted the 10 commandments and the law, not just to give them a way to live, but to also show them that in their own power, they're not able to accomplish what God has set out for them to accomplish. They were not able, the people of God in the Old Testament were not able to follow all of the rules that God set out for them. And so it's, it's not just this, it's not just here's a way to live, it's here's your need for a savior. And what Leo Tolstoy missed and didn't understand is what we're seeing in Ephesians chapter three. And that is the indwelling Jesus in us that gives us the power and fuels us to be able to accomplish Ephesians four, one through three. It is you and I living in what Jesus has already done for us. That's what it is. Our walk is powered by God's love. You've already been given a perfect life. Upon faith, we've been given the perfect life that Jesus lived for us. You are as holy now in the eyes of God as you will ever be because he sees you through the perfect life and perfect sacrifice of his son. So instead of seeing walking in a manner worthy of the calling in which we've received as this payback, 
We are living from the starting point of the power of God in our lives, rooting us in the love of Christ. And as we understand what his love is, it influences us and motivates us and pushes us and empowers us to live the life worthy of the calling. Our walk is powered by God's love for us. So how do we become more acquainted with God's love? It's the same way that we learn his voice. It's through his word. We become more rooted in the love of Christ the more we understand who he is, what he's done. The more we understand his voice, the more we hear his voice, the love for God grows and that love for God grows pushes us into living a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And then, as we go further in Ephesians chapter four, remember we're going back forwards again. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, this word eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Unity takes work. It's important for us to know that in order for us to get to Ephesians 4, 15, and 16, that we recognize that unity takes diligent work. You're gonna have disagreements with each other. In any relationship that you have, you know, we're not gonna like raise hands and say, all right, how many of you have a disagreement with somebody in this room today? And we like take you out to the couches out there and solve it, that'd be great. We're not gonna do that. Uh, I asked a similar question to students this weekend, said, how many of you have ever been annoyed by somebody in this room? And people started pointing to each other and we were like, Easy, (laughs) they were way too eager. But that's the truth of relationship. Anytime you put people together, somebody's gonna let somebody down. Somebody's gonna get angry with somebody else. It doesn't, you, you spend any time in a car at all and you've witnessed this. But what the Bible tells us about unity and being together is that when we are walking in a manner worthy of the calling in which we've received, that leads to us having humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, linking arms with one another, and eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit. We give up on people far too easily. We give up on people. Someone hurts us, the natural reaction for us is to give up on them. The natural reaction for us when we experience hurt is not to go to the person and be vulnerable enough to say, you hurt me in this way. The natural reaction for us is to go to someone else and say, they hurt me in this way and to begin to form a coalition of people that will be angry at the person causing the hurt. But what the Bible's teaching here is that we need to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit that we have unity because the spirit is in all of us and that we need to be eager to maintain it. 
It takes diligent work. Just as you would maintain a car, just as you would maintain a piece of equipment to make sure it is in top working order, we need to be eager to maintain the unity in the spirit. It takes work from us. It takes work powered once again by the love of God. Remember, it all flows back to that. Because in, again, in my own strength and power, I don't know that there's too many conversations that I can sit in where somebody has said to me, you hurt me, and I respond in a really godly way. My initial reaction is gonna be defensiveness. But in God's power working through me and rooting me in the love of Christ, if I am living in that and being motivated from that, then I can hear those conversations and have those conversations in a much different way that keeps the unity of the spirit. So as we see that in verses in one through three, the result then, the power comes from chapter three, 14 through 21. It moves us into being able to walk worthy in the manner of the calling in which we've received. It gets us to the point where we're eager to maintain unity. And the result then is ending back with our theme for the weekend and our theme for this morning, verses 15 and 16 of chapter four. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I'm telling you, there's no way that we will be able to speak the truth in love if we are not rooted in the love of Christ, if we are not eager, humble, gentle to keep the unity of the spirit. I think what many times we see happening in our culture today is that rather than speaking the truth in love, Christians tend to speak the truth with a little bit of our own snarkiness. That instead of speaking the truth in love, we speak the truth with a little bit of our condemnation. Now, can I just be real clear with you? We are to speak the truth. There are things that we stand up on. Last time I also checked, this was supposed to be our sword, not our tongue. And there's a way to speak the truth in love and allow the Bible to do the heart surgery because it is the scalpel and sometimes we just like to bring the hammer. There's a reason why heart surgeons don't use a sledgehammer. I'm not one, a heart surgeon. Some of you might be, but it's pretty easy for us to tell why they don't use the hammer. The Bible is very good at convicting and bringing condemnation where it's needed and bringing forgiveness to people and showing the love of Christ on its own as we speak its truth, the only truth. But to each other and to the world, speaking the truth in love, again, this is a group of believers, speaking the truth in love as we are grounded in his love, fueled by his love, experiencing the humility and gentleness and bearing with one another that comes from us walking worthy of the calling, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. 
So us beginning to grow together as the body of Christ happens as we live in his power, as we walk powered by his love, and as we grow in unity together, eager to keep the bond of peace. Verse 16, we grow into the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The result is that we grow together to accomplish his mission. We grow together to accomplish his mission. That's the result of this. The end result, the final thing of Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 is that when we are eager to keep the unity, the bond of peace together, that when we're willing and able to speak the truth in love is that we as the body parts of the church, as the body parts, Christ is the head, we are ligaments and bone and appendage. And as that happens, we work together to accomplish his mission. The body grows so that it builds itself up in love. And so what starts with the power of the spirit in us, grounding us in Christ's love, ends with us growing in maturity together and continuing to build ourselves up in love. And that's an incredible thing to think about because the process begins and ends with the love of Christ. And that is our mission, to show and display and take the love of God through Christ to the ends of the earth. To the people in our communities, to the people at the gas stations, in the chrome shop, to the people at Whitey's Ice Cream, to the people in our state and our country and to the ends of the earth, that we together are functioning as one body to accomplish the mission of God to the ends of the earth. We are better together. We're better together. And it begins with us living from the root of Christ's love. That's how we get to here, where we function to accomplish his mission. Let's pray. God, thank you for your great love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you that you sought us out you called us out and said, follow me. Thank you for giving us the strength to respond to your love. Lord, I pray, as we heard in Ephesians chapter three, I pray the same thing for us, that we would be strengthened according to your glorious riches by the spirit in our inner being to know and understand the height depth, width, and breadth of Christ's love. That we would be rooted and established in that and from that place, 
that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received from you, to follow you, to live for you, to be your ambassadors on this earth, to be living examples of your love. I pray that we would be a people together, that this church would be a people together who are eager to keep the unity and the bond of peace. That it would be a well-functioning body rooted in love and taking your love to the ends of the earth. It is in your name that we pray, amen.